Isaiah chapter number six, if you'll stand with us this morning in reverence to the word of God. Brother Danny was um, teaching Sunday school and I love the way the Lord puts things together. Uh, you know, he's teaching out of the book of Daniel. I'm preaching out of the book of Isaiah. And he said so many things this morning. I was afraid he was going to preach my message or teach my message, amen. But God knows how to put things together, doesn't he, amen. Isaiah uh, chapter number six, a familiar text, verse number one. The Bible said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, and with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For to mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I ask you, Lord, to give us the words and the wisdom to speak these next few moments. And may we not say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit, but may you be glorified. And we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach a message this morning entitled, The Right Perspective of Politics. The Right Perspective of of politics. Now, I want to say on the outset of this message this morning, if you are no doubt probably like I am, you're probably as sick of politics as I was sick of spam when I turned 18 years old. I ate it at least twice a week of my life, and so when I turned 18, I said, by the grace of God, I'll, I'll never eat another can of Spam again, amen? But anyway, that's a whole other message. But I'll tell you this, uh, uh, you're probably as sick of politics as what I am. But the fact is, the Bible is a political book, amen? And the truth is, is that uh, God, if he teaches us anything, uh, God teaches us that he is a God of government. He is a God of leadership. One of the reasons the devil uh, got kicked out of heaven was because he thought he was big enough to run for office against God, amen? He thought that he would run a, start a revolt and so God uh, cast him out of heaven but God established government and leadership and dominion here upon earth even as far back as the Garden of Eden. God uh, gave Adam, Adam dominion over all of the animals and God is a God of divine order. Isn't that right? And in that order is government. There is legislative order and executive order and God uh, gives that our branches of government all comes from the word of God. That is where our forefathers got the idea of government is that God is a God of government. And even if you go back in the Old Testament and you see the politicians of the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, God always had a prophet for a politician. Isn't that right? And the reason for that was is that the prophet was God's mouthpiece and the prophet kept the politician and the people in the right direction. He gave the warning to the politician and the politician was responsible 
to heed that warning and to give that warning to the people. Amen. He gave instructions to the politician and that was God's order is that they were to follow God as God's men preached and, and prophesied and gave the word of God. Now we know we don't have prophets today. Amen. Because we have a full canon of the scripture. Isn't that right? And so God is not raising up prophets uh, uh, to preach to politicians today but God does have preachers and he has men uh, that stand in the gap and they make up uh, the way and they preach the, the word of God. In our country, in our nation, if it's ever going to see revival, as you've heard me say it many times and many other preachers have made this statement, it'll not begin at the White House, but it'll begin in the church house. Amen? And the most important place uh, and the most important standing taking place today is when a man of God stands in the pulpit and proclaims the word of God. Amen? Do you realize there's not a sickness and there's not a sin in America today that if God's men wouldn't go back to preaching like they used to in days of old, we could, that wouldn't be cured, amen? I'm telling you, God could turn this nation again uh, back to God if God's people would have revival. Now, we don't have time to deal with all the reasons and prophecies, and well, you know that as well as I do, but I simply wanna just make this statement this morning uh, that God uses government in every aspect of our life. There's offices in a church, leadership in a church. Isn't that right? Even in the home, the home is governed by leadership in the home. Everyone has a different place. Everyone has a different responsibility. They have a different role. And so uh, it's always important. And the Bible is a political book. I think one of the, I think one of the uh, most uh, tragic statements we could ever make as preachers or as Christians uh, is say, well, we don't want to get political. Uh, listen, we ought to get political because God is a political God. When he returns, amen, the government is going to be placed upon the shoulders uh, of the Son of God. Amen. Brother Danny was talking about abortion this morning and my mind went to Luke chapter one and verse number 41. I thought about all these uh, uh, heathen politicians today that they want to say that, well, a baby's not really a baby until it is born. But if you go back to Luke chapter one and verse 41, whenever Mary was telling her salutation to Elizabeth, the Bible clearly says that the babe leaped in its mother's womb, amen? Now, if, ba if a baby is not a baby until it is born, then why did God call John the Baptist a baby before he ever entered into this world, amen? Because life begins at conception. Can I get a witness on that? But what I'm saying is the word of God gives the answers for our homes, for our churches, and yes, for our government, amen? But having said all of that this morning, we have to remember that our reason for being here is not government, it's the gospel. Amen, I think you can be a countryman and a, and a Christian at the same time. I think that's the balance. I, I think you can be, uh, listen, you can, you can be, uh, uh, listen, this morning, you can be a patriot and you can also be a prayer warrior. I would whole lot rather be a patriot than a pacifist. Amen. Not many patriots left in this country anymore. But I, having said all of that, probably... Isaiah tells us here through that one little statement, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He probably gives us enough view there to let us know that maybe he had got his eyes a little too much on man rather than God. You know, it's easy, isn't it? 
after the year that we've had and how, as a nation and as a world and what we've seen in 2021, what we've seen happen even thus far, it's easy to get so wrapped up in politics that we forget to see the Lord. I want to preach on the right perspective of politics this morning because in this text here, Uzziah uh, was a great king when you think about his, uh, when you think about his reign, he started at the age of 16 years of age and Uzziah was after Solomon, uh, one of the greatest kings of Judah. Uh, he in a lot of ways, when you think about uh, his reign and how that God used him, uh, you can understand why that Isaiah thought so much as well as the nation did. I know that, uh, listen, Uzziah's career ended in leprosy and sin, but when you look at the vastness of his career, he was a great king. God had greatly used him. Uh, uh, politically and even spiritually and even in uh, military wise uh, uh, Isaiah, I mean Uzziah was responsible uh, for, great, for building great fortresses and, and he had a great standing army and Uzziah, listen uh, uh, did a lot for the nation not just politically but he did a lot for the nation spiritually amen, uh, listen he built uh, a great, uh, 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 listen, uh, fortresses. And, and, and Uzziah was a man uh, uh, that had brought the nation not only great prosperity, but he had brought them prosperity through peaceful activities. Doesn't that sound familiar? I mean, here's a king uh, uh, that had made a, a great impact on Judah and God had used him. Now we know how that the end of his reign uh, uh, was that he went in and wanted to uh, assume the, the role of a, of a priest and, and he was not qualified and God struck him with leprosy and, and his, his last state was a very sad state it was a very sinful state it was a very sobering state but I want to say this this morning it was a very symbolic state amen because what it does for Isaiah is it gets his eyes off this king and gets his eyes on another king amen I'm telling you Isaiah got his eyes off the earthly king Uzziah and he got his eyes on the heavenly king the eternal King uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It gave him the right, pros uh, right perspective of politics. Amen. Now I think this morning we ought to have the right perspective. We ought to know what's right. Somebody say amen. But we have to view everything through the word of God. We have to even politics, we have to see it through the eyes of God rather than the eyes of man. Isn't that right? Listen, you get your political view from the Bible, not Fox or, or anywhere else or Newsmax. Somebody say amen right there. I'm talking about friend uh, in this hour to keep the right perspective uh, both spiritually and politically. You'll have to see it through the pages of the word of God this morning. I want you to see three things concerning Isaiah this morning. I want you to notice Isaiah's vision in verses one through four. Notice the period. He said it was the year that King Uzziah died. Uzziah had to be removed for Isaiah to see the Lord. Sometimes God does things, as Brother Danny said this morning, that is not our way, but it's his way. And friend, don't make no mistake about it this morning. It may look like the wicked are having their way, but I promise you God is still large and in charge. 
Nothing is taking God by surprise. Uh, nothing can be done without God's permission. The devil can't even make a right turn uh, without getting permission from God. He can't put his hand on anybody like he couldn't put his hand on Job uh, without God's permission. And God will take care of me and God will take care of you. Uh, I promise you, if you'll just do what's right and if I'll just do what's right, I promise you the judge of this earth is gonna do what's right, amen? They're just all puppets on street. And God is in charge. But it took the period of Uzziah dying for Isaiah to have this great vision. The Bible said where there is no vision, people perish. There's the period of this vision. Notice the person in his vision. He said, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. You see in this vision, Isaiah sees the Lord, but he sees some things about the Lord. He sees his throne, amen, amen. You know what we need to see in 2021? We need to see that God is still on the throne. That God is still in charge. Do you think the election changed heaven one bit this morning? Do you think it changed the promises of God? Do you think it lessened the power of God? Do you think it hesitated the coming of God? No, I want to tell you there's still a divine appointment. The king of glory is still coming. All the promises of God are yea and true. I want to tell you, listen, God is still going to keep his word. He's still going to control this world. And I want to tell you this morning that when Isaiah, when Uzziah died, he looked beyond that throne and he saw another throne. He saw the the Lord's throne this morning. You know what two weeks revival's done for me? It's encouraged my heart that this is not the end. You say, preacher, you ought not confess that. Confess that. Well, if you watch enough news or read enough papers, you'll think it's the end. Amen. You talk to enough people. So I don't watch the news and, and I don't read the paper. Just talk to enough people. You'll still think it's the end. Brother, I'm telling you, listen, everybody's worried about masks and mandates and, and coronavirus and everything else. And I'm not saying stick your head in the sand. I think you know me well enough to know that by now. But I want to tell you, friend, we as the church of God, we got to go on. Amen. We got to press on. We got to preach on. We, we got to sing on. Amen. We got to testify on. We can't crawl in a corner somewhere and hide and die and just say, well, oh, whatever happens. We can't let Egypt decide. What we're going to do, our mandate is bigger than their mandate. We've got to use common sense, but we got to walk with God and remember our purpose and our focus. We got to see who's really in charge and who's sitting on the throne in this day and time. If your passions have died because uh, since inauguration day, you got the wrong passions, friend. Amen. Notice he saw his throne. Then he saw his title. Look what he said. He said he's high and he's lifted up. So preacher, what am I supposed to do in 2021? You're supposed to keep him high and lifted up. I'm telling you, when you go to church, don't go to church with your lip pooched out and your head down. Don't go to church and say, well, a preacher's having church. What if somebody gets sick? Well, we'll pray for them. That's the only thing I know to do, amen? We've done everything else other than just quit. And can I tell you something? There's no quit in me, amen? I'm telling you, there's nothing in me that says I can't stay home. I'm not against those that are sick and need to. I hope you understand that. But if I'm well-bodied and able enough, I just want to go to church. Is that a sin? Is that a crime? 
No, it's not. I just want to be around the people of God. I feel sorry for those who are not able to come. And we understand that, don't we? But I tell you, I'm just glad I can be here this morning. I'm glad I can be in church. You say, why? I want to keep him high. I want to keep him lifted up. I want to take advantage of every opportunity and the freedom and the liberty I have today for we may not have it tomorrow, but let's just keep him high and lift it up, amen. Somebody said to me the other day, they said, are y'all really having revival? I said, yeah. They said, or, Kelly, they said it with a attitude. Let me put it that way. That's a nice way to put it, ain't it? Are people coming? Well, I said, well, yeah. You know, almost like I ought to be ashamed. I didn't say nothing because it's better to give an account for what you didn't say is to have to give an account and I wanted to say a whole bunch. I act like it was just, are y'all social distancing? I said, kind of, sort of. I'm not going to be shamed by the world. I'm not going to be shamed by uh, listen, uh, uh, listen by what people think. Amen. Uh, people worry too much in this society. You do what you have to do. If you get sick and start coughing and running a fever, for God's sake, don't come. We don't want it. Amen. You say, well, I, 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 think, I, I think I'm okay. If you got to think you're okay, amen. Uh, listen, take your temperature for crying out loud uh, and be responsible. But at the same time, uh, uh, listen, I want to keep him high. I want to keep him lifted up. Uh, uh, two weeks of meeting, hey, three weeks ain't gonna hurt us. You know what? Five weeks wouldn't hurt us in this day and time. That's right. I had to call a preacher. I don't have a heart attack when I make this statement. I'll probably preach half this morning, half tonight because I got way too much liberty. I had to call a preacher. I said, hey, I don't know if I'm gonna get to, to be there and meeting Panama City. And uh, they... Uh, Man, they got a nice place right on the ocean. Had somebody call, said, you going to Panama City for revival? Said, when you go down there, so I got a condo right there on the ocean. Said, you can stay in it for free. Last time I was there, I stayed in a meth motel. <laughs> Y'all think I'm kidding. Preacher dropped me off. He said, listen, the only thing we got here is $230 a night. Because you know that... That hurricane blew through there three, about three years ago and wiped the whole town, all of Panama out on that eastern side. He said, I, I can't even get you in a, anything decent because he said all the construction workers have got it all tied up because they're building the city back. He said, now listen, he said, this motel I'm putting you in, he said, uh, me and my wife, and she was with me, he said, now don't go out at night. He said, I'm going to put you in there. He said, make sure it's daylight when you go out. He pulled in the parking lot and I believed every word he was telling me. We, we slept with our, well, I'm not talking about with pajamas on. I mean, we slept with our clothes on, with the sheets ripped off. Amen. That's how we slept. You think I'm kidding? It's one of the places you take a shower and you feel dirtier when you got out than when you got in. And I laugh when people say, I want to go on evangelism. Amen. Go ahead, help yourself. But you know, and they said, we got you a nice, I said, and I called them, I said, I don't know if I'm going to make it. They said, why? I said, we're in a third week revival, and who knows if there's going to be a fourth week. Some of y'all looking pale. <laughs> Would it be so bad if God wanted to just blow through here 
might be the last three or four week or seven week revival you ever, I don't know. You say, preacher, are you, are you, uh, are you uh, propping up and playing? I have no idea from one day to the next, but all I do know is God, whatever you want, uh, whatever you want to do, uh, I don't care if you do it in one day or you do it in 10 weeks. Uh, I just want you to be high and I want you to be lifted up. Uh, and if you can pass through in the middle of a pandemic, uh, I say hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Uh, bless his holy name. If you want to sit down here for a day or a week or ten weeks, heaven knows I'm not going to get mad about it. I'm going to be here to see if what God does for you, he might do for me. He said he saw his throne he, and then he, he saw his train. He said his train filled the temple. That was the garment of a king. The king wore that garment and and the longer the train, it represented royalty and authority, but most of all, it represented glory. And the longer that train was, the more servants it took to carry that train. And it showed the majesty of the king and of the kingdom. And it represented the riches of that king. And it represented the power of that king. And the Bible says here that his train was so long. You know what it did? He said it filled the temple, amen? Talking about there is no splendor and there is no glory and there is no riches any greater than this king, amen? You see, Uzziah was a great king. Uzziah, my friend, was one that had great power and he had great authority and he had great riches. He was one that, that was well known, but compared to this king, there is no comparison because he has filled the temple, amen? I see the train, I see that temple there. It represents his holiness, uh, who he really is. Uh, I want to remind you this morning, uh, when we look at politics, uh, we ought to look at it through the eyes of the Bible, knowing uh, that the God we serve, uh, he's the king immortal. He's the king invisible. He's the king eternal. Uh, he has all power in heaven and earth. Uh, and thank God he is in charge this morning. He's in charge. And I want to say this morning, I see the person of his vision. And I see this morning, I see the protection of his vision. Notice what he said in verse two. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings and twain, and with twain he covered his face and with twain he covered his feet and with twain he did fly. And you notice their wings and you notice their work and these wings, they have six wings. Now, seraphims, uh, uh, that I-M-S uh, or I-M on the end of that means that there was more than one, amen? Just like a cherubim and cherubims uh, means that there's more than one. And when you think about the angels of the Bible, uh, just think about the seraphims, uh, that are, that's those my friend, that, that, it, that is used there to, to protect uh, uh, the throne. Uh, uh, cherubims were those that were messengers, amen, uh, and were used uh, uh, to give, uh, uh, to take care of their seraphims and cherubims and, and holy angels, Mark chapter 8 talks about, uh, and fallen angels and, and elect angels. Uh, and when you think about all this, God doesn't have an army of men, but he has an army of angels, amen, uh, and he has the church, uh, and we're gonna come back with him one of these days, uh, but I 
want to say this morning, heaven's throne is protected well. Amen. And these seraphims had six wings and they covered the face and they covered the feet and with two wings they did fly and they spoke about the service that is before the throne, that they're serving the king. Amen. You know, that's what we're doing this morning. We're not serving each other, but we're serving the king of glory. Amen. We have to remember that this morning. We, we have the greatest honor, the highest privilege. You know, titles and trophies don't matter down here. It doesn't matter about any accolades. that. And I know the Bible says give honor where honor is due, but at the end of the day, you know, how many has ever received a trophy? Anybody ever got a trophy? Raise your hand. Come on now. Okay, if you never have, I'm sorry. If you would have grew up in this generation, you would have got one for doing nothing. Amen. But you know what? I remember one time. I remember one time we went to. Uh, we had one of these. Uh, I don't know what it was, but it was. Uh, it was at the school, and it was one of these. Uh, uh, you know, one of these things where you take these wooden cars and you carve it out. You know, and you put it on a track, and you and you slide them down through there. You know, it was just a just a wooden car race. Y'all, anybody ever seen those? And they were giving away trophies for that. Now, this was before I was saved. Keep that in mind. But my dad said, you know, boy, if you'll drill a few holes in the back of that and put some lead in it, it'll outrun every one of them. Don't look so sanctified. So we did that. The only problem with that was we wasn't the only one that knew that secret. And I remember I got third place out of about 200. Now, I didn't win that fair and square, okay? But uh, they gave me a little bitty trophy about this big. And I went home and I thought, man, that's a whole lot of, that's a small trophy for cheating. <laughs> Remember that, it's never right to cheat. <laughs> and I got that little trophy. I remember I kept that thing for years, polished it. I thought it was something, you know, I thought it was something really great. But you know, the only problem with it, the more you polished it, the more it started fading. Any trophy of this world fades. Things that we do down here are only temporary. But I want to tell you over yonder this morning, there are trophies to win. There are crowns to be won. You can't cheat to win them. You gotta, but we serve the greatest king with the greatest cause. And if you serve him and you live for him, there is a crown to be won. You say, well, I don't really care about a crown. You will on judgment day. Because you want them crowns not for yourself. But it's the only thing you can really give back to Jesus for saving your soul. He wore your crown of thorns. We ought to win a crown that we can cast at his feet one day and, and worship him and praise him and serve him. You know what heaven's going to be about? It's going to be about Jesus. Heaven's not going to be about me. I hate to burst anybody's bubble that might think this, but when we walk through the gate, listen, there, all of heaven is not going to shout because we walk through the gate. 
When we walk through the gate, we're just simply gonna pick up with everybody else because the focal point of heaven is not the walls of Jasper. It's not the gates of Pearl. It's not the splendor and the glory of that crystal city. And it's not even the saints that are passing through. It will be wonderful there. It will be wonderful to see our loved ones. I remind you the focal point of heaven. It's not me and it's not you, but everybody's looking at him. Everybody's singing to him. Everybody's praising him. Everybody's worshiping him. Heaven's gonna be all about him. We're not gonna be serving everybody else, but we're gonna be serving him. Don't you like it when he shows up and the songs are not about us, but they're about him? Don't you like it when the preaching all of a sudden gets about him? I'm talking about when he comes. It makes all the difference in the world. You know, a two-week revival would be really rough if he wasn't here. I like church, but I don't like it when God's not here. Somebody say amen. I've sat through enough dead services, drug out services, where there was no God and I'd get hungry and I'd want to go home. Somebody say amen. I don't know what it is about being in church, but you get hungry, don't you? You're not doing anything. You ought not be hungry. You can eat before. I don't eat before church because I always get hungry after church. Somebody say amen right there. And you can sit in a service and, and the preacher will just keep on talking and talking. If there's no touch, that's all it is, is talk. And you'll sit there and you'll think, man, I wish you would hurry up. I wish you'd get done. I've sat in some service. I remember sitting in a service one time and a preacher was, was preaching. And, and I mean, listen, I'll just be honest with you. It was very, very dead. It's very dead. Brother Barnes was with me. It's not good to be in church with Brother Barnes when it's dead. I was trying to give a head nod and amen and about 30 minutes in that sermon, Brother Barnes looked over at me. He said, you hungry? <laughs> I mean, we could smell the food coming into the sanctuary. I didn't, not, I didn't answer him. I wished I would have because a few minutes later, he said, boy, it's dead in here, isn't it? And Brother Dave, he didn't know how to whisper, you know. Six rolls heard him, rose said, heard him say that it was, I said rolls instead of rows. <laughs> he said six. Six rows heard him say it. I mean, I thought, my goodness. Brother Barnes, be quiet. But it was dead. And when he got through, the preacher got up and said, we're going to have one more message for supper. And Brother Barnes looked at me like, you got to be kidding me. And the preacher got up and he said, you know, he said, I really don't have an outline. He said, I just got one little verse. He said, I know everybody's hungry. And he said, wants to, want, want, y'all ready to go eat? He said, let me just read this verse. And I'm going to tell you, he read that verse and he got to preaching. And I'm going to tell you, God touched him. And he came alive. He didn't need an outline. He got to preaching and God got in. I'm going to tell you, it got so good. We got to shouting and our appetites completely went away. You know, your appetite for the Word of God, when you're getting fed from the Bible, it'll take away that, that physical appetite. You'll forget all about that, that when God starts feeding you. And I'm gonna tell you, the longer he preached, the deeper it got. And listen, when he got done, with his almighty quit, amen, because God was working and God was moving. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying service is good whenever he shows up. Revival is good whenever he shows up. You say, well, I want him to come. How do I know if he's gonna come? If he knows we're hungry for him, if he knows we want him here, if we know that we, if he knows that we're seeking him and we desire him, he'll come every single time. Amen. Do you know this week, so I want God to show up this week, he will if you will. 
Well, you don't know how he's going to show up. No, but if you show up right, he'll show up right. If you come and say, God, I'm hungry. I don't care if it's in the singing. I don't care if it's in the preaching. I don't care if it's in the testifying. God, we just need you, and I just need help. And you may come in tired from, from a hard day's work and labor, and you may come in and say, well, I, I'm sitting down, but I, I'm really tired. I'm really sleepy. But God, would you just pass by my pew? Would you just meet with me? I'm telling you, friend, that's what God is looking for. Revival's not mystical. It's not something sensational. A lot of times people think, well, you know, it's just got to be at the right place place at the right time. Not so. God, the Bible says, the Father seeketh such to worship him. You think we have to ask God to have a third week of revival? No. Well, preacher, you want to, you try to be, you know why we have to be sensitive? is to know if people's hungry. And I don't know that. Only God knows that. So we seek the Lord because He knows our hearts. He knows what we really want. I can't look at a congregation and say, well, they want revival. I don't know that. I don't even know myself sometimes. But I can seek God and God can say, yeah, go a third week because they're hungry. They're, They're seeking me. But the Father seeketh. He, he's looking for people who'll just worship Him. Now this goes against all of our theology this morning. I've seen God, and you have too. I've seen God touch people that I, I couldn't explain how and why He touched them. And I've seen God walk past people that I couldn't explain why He did that neither. Because it's all in his hands, isn't it? There's times that I've labored as a message, came to preach it, and it was great Bible truths. And I thought, God's going to bless this, and I'm going to tell you, here's how the sermon went. It died. And I prayed, and I sought God, and I asked God, and I studied. I did everything I thought I was supposed to do, and it just nosedived. And then there's times where I studied and I couldn't get nothing. I couldn't get anything to preach. I was looking through Golden Nuggets outlines. (laughs) Well, you're, you're there. You're at the bottom, friend. I couldn't get nothing. And I'd come to church with something scribbled down. So that's all I got. So I'm just going to try it. And God would breathe on that. And I go away thinking, how in the world, how in the world but God? It's always but God, isn't it? And you know this morning, that same God is still working all of our life. He knows what you need this morning. And I want to tell you this, you need something. I don't know what you need, you don't know what I need, but we all need something this morning. You may have sat through this entire service and got nothing. Maybe you did, I don't know. But you need something this morning. I'm not telling you you have to come to the altar to get it, but I'm telling you this morning, if you need to, you should. But God, He knows what we need this morning. I I think that's maybe what's happening in America is that God may be bringing us to the place where we realize we really do need God. Oh, we say it. We pray it. 
But we're getting to the place where we probably mean it. We really need God. I like President Trump. I think he's the greatest president in my lifetime. You don't have to feel that way. I don't, if you don't, I don't even think you're wrong. That's just how I honestly feel. But can I say this this morning? More than we need Trump, we need God. Trump was only a person that God used. And God can use anybody. He uses the good men and He uses the evil. I didn't finish the sermon this morning. There's a lot in there to preach. I may preach a little more of it tonight if the Lord wants me to, but the ultimate end is is that it drove Isaiah to his knees. That's where God wants me. He wants me on my knees. Seeing him, not seeing a politician.